This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Janice Graham. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our common ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk that talk, matters. matters. Transforming, Transforming truth, truth to power, 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 power. One broadcast, one broadcast, broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. But that's all right, because we said even before this happened, 
Janice Graham. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our common ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk that matters. Transforming, Transforming truth, truth to power. power. One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And good evening to all of you, and thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. This is the place where black truth is honored. Thank you for being with us, and for those of you who would like to join us in our chat room uh, for good talk uh, while we are discussing the pressing issues of the day, you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. It's good to be back. I hope that all of you um, had a national day of mourning, which was authentic, and you to conclude that there is something after the day and that you were able to find the roots of your gratitude, of your thankfulness, uh, and discovering that you have in your life enough. As we come into the broadcast tonight, uh, as usual, we want to encourage you to mask faith and the next and to alarm and and warn you. Well, I guess ring the alarm and uh, give you a warning that over the next two weeks all across this country, they are perhaps the most... I have been reconnected, and I hope that uh, you are getting good audio, Uh, someone in the chat room, please let me know if all is well. 
and welcome to Alpha and Hard Worker 485. Elle Michelle is just taking her seat, and thank you all for your patience and being with us here tonight. Are you getting audio is the question. From my vantage point, it seems that okay we're we're all set here. Thank you again for being with us uh our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two if you'd like to listen in from inside our studio and uh we thank you so very much um just as I was disconnected from my studio. I was talking about a warning and an alert that even the White House task force is saying that if you are over the age of 65, you should limit your contact currently. It is going to be dire for COVID-19 infection over the next two weeks across the country. In 56 states and territory today, the COVID tracking project has reported that there are 14,357,264 confirmed cases in the U.S. That of the people who were tested, 160,813,704 people have tested negative. That's of the um, tests that have been conducted over the uh, over the. Uh, across the country. And currently there are 101,190 persons who are hospitalized and confirmed deaths of 272,236 confirmed deaths. And of that 160,000 um, 160 million people who tested uh, in, in new tests, uh, 2 million uh, tested positive. That's got to be wrong. New tests. 2,169,756, and that's today. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we are going to be um, talking about a number of things, but one of the things that has really become a concern um, in, the, uh, in, in the last, I would say probably um, the last week 
two has been the amount of confusion that is going on in this country um, about where we are both in moving forward as well as moving, looking backwards. And tonight I've titled this episode as Niggle Nation, a state of dubiety. I love words. I am always studying words. And in in looking at these two words, first of all, understand that niggle is a verb, N-I-G-G-L-E for those of you, uh, <clears throat> and it means to make off to make often criticisms or objections about matters. So when you complain when you are having quibbling, when you are qualming, when you're in a state of compunction and questioning, you are niggling, N-I-T-G-L-I-N-G is the verb. And I think that part of the state that we have had to live in since the election is dubiety. And dubiety is a noun, which is a feeling or attitude that you don't exactly know, no matter how much you read, no matter how much information you have coming in, no matter who you get it from. You are feeling that you do not know the truth, that people are not being, tr- that that whatever people are telling you, they it is not it does not hold truthfulness. And they are not trustworthy about someone or something. And I think if we look at this country right now, that is where most Americans are. They're niggling in a state of dubiety. We're complaining we're going through fits and tremors of uh, objection to this and objection to that, thinking, especially black people, thinking we've got to resist, we've got to stay on the case, and we're not sure about the information we're getting. We're not sure about who those people are who are telling us this, that, and the other about some very important things. And I've concluded that those things are the Trump exit crimes. And notice I say exit crimes. We cannot deal. Uh, what What this current illegitimate president is doing, the damage that he's doing, what he is doing to the government, what he, what he is setting up specifically today uh, yesterday i was niggling about somalia the day before that i was niggling about 
the Pentagon. The day before that, I was niggling about the list, telephone list of children that have been orphaned by our government intentionally. The other issue is about what's before us in regard to how we fix our lives in this pandemic, the SARS COVID-19 vaccine, whether or not we can trust the process, whether or not we can trust the uh, mega pharma industry, and whether or not we can trust the legitimacy of the trials that would allow the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, to give permission for those drugs to be used in the United States. The fourth thing is that the President-elect Biden has been coming before the American people and presenting his cabinet and talking about his plans and giving us some hints of what he will be doing over the next 45 days. I've been niggling about that, and I'm sure you have too. I, have been, there's, I am in a state of dubiety around what he is saying. And the other niggling that I have been doing is what's going on in the Georgia Senate race because anything else that this new elected president, um, president-elect and vice president are saying to us rides high on what is going to happen in Georgia in the Senate race there, and to the extent to which the Republican, the GOP, is willing to do anything. At this point, and I go back to the first concern that I shared with you about the Trump exit crime. And those crimes could be and have been over since the election around the legitimacy, a questions of the legitimacy of people who vote. My vote, your vote, your ballot, my ballot. So one of the things that I want to do, and Dr. James Taylor, who is uh, the Our Common Ground political contributor, and he is chair of the uh, Department of Politics at the University of San Francisco, is going to be joining me as my co-host tonight because one of the things that we want to do is to try to put all of this in context so that we've got to have our real thinking caps on. We've got to be strategic in all of this. So tonight, what we're going to attempt to do is to give you language and narratives 
to the fragile nature nature of what this country is where this country is today because it's really hard to see back and forward while walking through a fire storm and that's what we're doing i think many of you out there will not cannot question that that is what's happening to us and most of you are bewildered and feel that chaos is burning down the house that America built. Well, we have some thoughts about that house, too. But right now, it's on fire. And so what my co-host, Dr. James Taylor, and I are going to try to to do tonight is to assist each other and you in unraveling all of this. So we thank you for being with us, and Dr. Taylor, who is my co-host tonight, is joining us. Dr. James Taylor, thank you so much for being with us. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back on our common ground. Oh, I'm. You're 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 always welcome here. I am now describing you as the our common ground political contributor. I appreciate. We it. we don't. We don't have $5,000 to send you, but we got $5,000 right. of good wishes. That, that's all right. The people that got and, millions, though, there's, there's people I uh, do analysis, analysis for that got millions, and they don't give up anything. So I, I love and, and believe in black uh, radio, black TV, black media, um, you know, and, and support it and think that, you know, as, that black people as consumers uh, should take in uh, – for the sake of their peace and their, you know, their, their minds uh, peace, uh, for their, mm-hmm. their sense of peace, to listen to, you know, black talk, um, because mm-hmm. listening to, you know, 90% of what's out there is conservative and racist and reactionary, and even if it's not white, but most of it is, um, you can be bombarded, uh, like you're saying, in terms of just this firestorm of a, of a political uh, era and moment we're living in. I think, you know, panoramically, we need to take a step back and understand that first and foremost, we're living in in race reaction to the idea and advent of the first black presidency, independent of Obama himself or his policies, just the big idea of a black president. Even uh, Henry Louis Gates, who is no militant, acknowledged that the image of the Obamas uh, in the White House did something to to white people, or at least an element, you know, a segment of the white population in this country. And so we're dealing with that reaction, uh, like in Reconstruction, after slavery, um, there was reaction. And I think the thing we have to guard against right now intensely is to make sure that there's not a reconciliation between white um, Republican and white Democrat uh, sacrificing black people who have saved this democracy uh, as they are inclined to do, uh, like they did in Reconstruction. In the Reconstruction period, they sold us out in the 1876 presidential election. The North, Lincoln side that we were on, they sold us out after we, you know, 500,000 black people, 300,000 black men took up guns, 200,000 black men, excuse me, took up guns, and 300 black men and women walked off the plantations in a general strike. 500,000 black people killed slavery at the moment of the Civil War. And, um, you know, and I think we need to recognize that, um, you know, we've been dealing with that kind of reaction ever since. When we, when we broke free, they reacted. 
And when Martin Luther King, for example, with the Civil Rights Movement, we had a leap forward, and Ronald Reagan was the reaction, and the war on drugs, and so was Nixon, yeah. right? Everything between Nixon and Reagan is reaction to the Civil Rights Movement. The war on drugs had nothing to do with the 13th Amendment, like a lot of young people at Ava DuVernay uh, mistakenly think it does. The war on drugs is a direct reaction to the 1960s, to the black power era, to, to black organizing, to black mobilization, to black awakening. That's what the war on drugs was a reaction to, and it came from both parties. Uh, LBJ started it, then Nixon took it to a whole nother level, and then Ronald Reagan championed it. And, and every, Republic, every president, Democrat and Republican, uh, through Obama, continued the war on drugs, uh, and, which was just a, a front for a war on black people, a war on poor people, a war on urban people. So black people are not in any new firestorm. Um, I think we're in the same storm we've always been in as a people because that's what America means, you know, a constant firestorm, right? Just being here. Malcolm said it was being in prison. But I'm using a different metaphor right now to, to stick with your metaphor. It, you know, it, 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 we live in the firestorm, and there are, that's the norm. What is abnormal is when we extinguish it, like with Reconstruction or with um, the Civil Rights Movement or with a black presidency, and then they come back and react and reset their fires in reaction. So we're living in the modern white reaction, the modern white backlash um, to the big idea of the black president, but it's also the economic reality that America don't work for white people no more the way it used to, even though they have a lot more wealth than we as a people, they are not feeling this country's uh, promise the way it used to. When you were middle class, you hit your 40s, your 50s, you figure you put, you paid your dues, you should you know, have a home, you have a car, you have some money to put your kids in college and things of that sort. That's the American dream, say, from the 40s up until about the late 70s, mid-80s at the long, at the, at, you know. But after that, everything changes, right, economically. So white people are in desperate uh, dire straits. Uh, they're dying in every state. Uh, 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 let me say it correctly. They're dying in about 35 states faster than they're being born. And they're the only white people on the planet who are having this crisis. No other white people, compared to other white people in the, in the world, American whites are dying faster than other whites. Um, if you look mm -hmm. this up, black people have had some good news in the last five to ten years that nobody reminds us of, and we're going to do that here on Our Common Ground, and that is that the, the life expectancy disparity between black people and white people in America has closed to its narrowest gap in, in history, and that has something to do with them dying off. Because, one, you have the baby boomer dynamic where there was this explosion of 95 million people born between 1945 and 1964, right? Um, and so that, that generation is maturing, right, and, and you know, retiring out, et cetera. Um, and, and so that's the group that's behind Trump. That's the Reagan Democrats. That's the birthers. That's the Tea Partiers. That's MAGA. It's all the same thing. And they used to think, like, as middle-class, blue-collar, working people, that America's dream worked for them, too. But America's dream hasn't worked for these white folk in a long time. And so Donald Trump is benefiting from that. And so we're, we're living in the norm. Uh, uh, well, to me, you know, I was... Breakthrough. We have moments was, of breakthrough, I, but the, the norm is the racism, the firestorm. Yeah. 
I was in a in a group discussion uh, just this past week, and one of the things that I reminded people that Donald Trump is just a bad version of uh, uh, of Ronald Reagan. That's right. Even Ronald Reagan's campaign, uh, and I remember. Um, I'm old enough to remember how how much disdain and anger uh, black people had for Ronald Reagan. And his campaign slogan was, Make America Great Again. That's right. And, and, and Donald Trump is simply uh, not a very good version. Exactly. He screwed it up. Yep. Ronald Reagan perfected it because Ronald Reagan yep. was an actor. <laughs> yep, and he was the second and coming of Barry Gold he was the second coming of Goldwater who scared everybody in sixty four. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. And he was the reason Goldwater was the reason that Ronald Reagan won um after That's trying right. two times. That's but, right. Uh, you know, let let's deal with this with the, the what we wanna try to do tonight, Doctor Taylor. Um, I, I have pulled this word. I, I used to use this word a lot when a long time ago. I used to be a kind of like a word collector, and I pulled out the verb niggle, n i g g l e, and what it means is essentially people complaining about everything and objecting to everything, and and just but they don't know exactly of the information that they're using to complain about these things, whether or not it is um, truthful. They don't trust anything that they hear. They don't trust anything that they, they, um, dubiety is the word. Not trusting the information or the information uh, providers that you have. And that's, that's essentially our media. Yes. So one of the things that I was thinking this week about what to do uh, tonight with our audience is to begin to say that as black people, we don't have the latitude to niggle. Niggling can't be our thing. Right. We can't just run around complaining and objecting and being distrustful of the information we have to study, we have to research, and we have to do something because America is on fire. And this man has dismantled everything. Let's talk for a moment, Uh, Dr. Taylor. Let me get your your thoughts about what what I I call no, I, I think you see what you're talking about in uh, the the uh, reaction some people are having to James Clyburn rightfully making noise and saying, hey, uh, Biden, I, I see what you're doing, and it ain't black enough for me. And other folk are demanding meetings. Even Black Lives Matter have, have, have demanded meetings. And this is a sign of our political maturity. It's a sign that we're growing up as a people beyond our electoral success. It's actually us saying, hey, you owe us. 
we want to cash in, and it needs to look like this for us, at least superficially now, just, just in terms of your appointments. We'll talk about jobs and infrastructure and, and health care later, uh, but you can see online there's this whole immaturity of, aha, look at you black people. Y'all got duped. Y'all gave all your support for the Democrats, and now y'all having to beg them to make appointments. No, that's not the case. This, this, that, you know, Biden is appointing a lot of different people, um, you know, uh, uh, into his um, cabinet in terms of diversity, a lot of women, a lot of people of color, but but black people too are you know are highly um, um, placed, and they're not finished, right? From Cedric Richmond, um, um, uh, Simone Sanders, and and you know Kamala Harris, right? And many others will be coming, you know, out of the four thousand people that Joe Biden has to hire. Quite a few, you know, uh, quite a few hundreds, you know, of black people and young people are going to get access to Washington, D.C., um, to the halls of power, to get trained, to become mentees, to get into the places they need to. This is how um, uh, uh, Ayanna Presley got where she did. She's in Massachusetts politics. The Kennedys basically raised her up and brought her up until the moment was right for her. She had the credentials, the connections, the training, and then she broke through. And that's what I think you're, you're going to see in terms of what the Democrats are doing. They're generating a new generation of leaders, and I think people need to grow up in terms of, like, I, I just think, Ms. Graham, I think we, we have a bad, like I said in, in a previous episode, we have as a black people a mental conditioning to put down everything that we do that doesn't really directly relate to us. So, you know, if you are not a church-going black person, it's easy to mock preachers because it's not connected to you, and you just think it's funny that, you know, they're not important, they're clowns, oh, they're pimps, they're exploiters, and many are and have been. But, but, but again, it's easy to disassociate from that because it's not connected to that person making those criticisms, but those preachers are still in the community doing work. You know, like I said in a previous episode, who's burying all our black dead right now, right? The pastors of black America, and so you can mock, et cetera. My point is people are, uh, you know, people that want to be disconnected from what black people are doing, like it, within the party, um, they have the, they're not connected to it. So it's easy to say, um, see what happened? You black folk gave your vote to the Democrats, and now Clyburn is having to beg to get appointments. Well, first of all, you're not even connected to what's going on because your attitude and your mindset is that you probably don't vote. You probably don't engage in politics. All you do is stay online and criticize and talk, and you don't engage in politics at, yourself at all, right? And this is a bad habit we have. So I think, you know, to, to stay on your point is, you know, people are doing this now and saying, what are the Democrats doing um, for black people now that they got their vote? And meanwhile, Clyburn, who is extremely um, well-placed as the third in power in Congress and highly respected with deep capital within the party um, will get what he wants because he said that, right? But the, the bad habit we have is black folk that have no connection to the party or to politics are quick, like I said about how we see, you know, people that don't go to church are quick to criticize preachers. People that aren't connected to politics are quick, are quick to say, well, you black folk and the Democrats are just using you. And they don't even have the education. When you talk about ignorance, they don't even have the basic education to see that black people have effectively dominated the Democratic Party since Obama. 
right? Uh, Jesse Jackson started it, as we talked about before. We can go back further, but let's say at least with Jesse. And, and by the time Obama comes through, black people did that. Because for the record, coming from a political scientist, if Obama was only voted for by white people in 08 and 12, Obama would have lost both times, and McCain and uh, Romney would have been president. It was black and brown people that uh, uh, made Obama possible. So it wasn't some you know, breakthrough for white people uh, in terms of liberalism, obviously, because Trump was the next thing happening. So I think, you know, again, the, the niggling that you're talking about, the whining and the objection of, you know, the, the you know, the, the, the tend to, you know, to be skeptical and um, cynical and distrusting, but out of ignorance, not out of knowledge, out of ignorance, out of being poorly informed, is a problem we have. It's, it's deep in our community, and I'm not talking about education. I'm not talking about book knowledge. I'm talking about common sense. I'm talking about black common sense. I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about, um, uh, you know, sort of strategic um, thinking. Um, you know, you, you can't have it both ways to say, you know, black folk gave all their votes to the Democrats, and then when black folk make demand on Democrats, you're saying, ah, that's proof that the Democrats aren't doing anything for black people. No, James Clyburn is playing politics, and we have got to grow up as a people. After we give our votes, we do need to make noise online. Whatever the platforms we have are, we should say, you owe us, and Biden owes us like no white man has since LBJ. And when we gave LBJ 94% of our vote, LBJ put the full economic power and will of the American state behind the civil rights movement. And, of course, the Republicans and Reagan and, you know, have all, you know, William Buckley, they all tried to repudiate the Great Society and War on Poverty. And even King was critical of it. But my point, Ms. Graham, is simply that, you know, black people, when they supported, by, uh, when they supported uh, LBJ with the kind of support they've given uh, Biden, they got a return on their investment with LBJ, and nobody acknowledges that, right? And I'm saying that we can do that again right now, but we have to stay active. We got to stay on the ground. We have to use platforms, and we got to push, 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 push. But anybody sitting back just talking and just criticizing, I don't have time for them, Ms. Graham. I don't have time for people that just talk and criticize. Well, you know, uh, people, two two things may be missing, and I and uh, in uh, what the points that you have, ma- have made, that there are people who do not understand that critical analysis has to come before strategic planning. Right. And <clears throat> the people who don't do that are the people who, in, in my experience as an activist, aren't going to do anything anyway. They're just going just to talk. That, right. You know, one of the reasons that we have lost the black left is because the black left doesn't intend to go beyond anything but right. uh, intellectual analysis and talking. Yep. And when I say talking, I'm also talking about journalism and and writing. Yeah. But let, let's talk for a moment uh, about this whole notion of what is good politics. Uh, I listened to an interview this week and uh and and also some commentary and articles covered by the new chair of the 
Congressional Black Caucus, Joyce, oh, my God, um, Joyce, Representative Joyce, oh, God. Um, but not anyway, last, she... Um, no, I can't think of that. Yeah, um... Um, I it starts with W. <laughs> um, so, and one of the things that was quite disturbing to me of um, her comments was that she was doing political speech, and I think that that is the kind of thing that causes people to get, to have an attitude of uh, dubiety, mm-hmm. uh, to to distrust. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why we still have politicians who do that. And I think um, uh, Jim Clyburn, he does it in in a much more skillful way than I heard from this new chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. Mm -hmm. But we also have to understand that politics is dynamic, Mm -hmm. and it comes through, there's a continuous stream of changes of both voice and role in it. And it, it takes, I mean, if you've never run for office, you have no idea if you've never right. run a campaign like I've run a cam- I've run six referendum campaigns and one wow. uh, or two campaigns for for candidates for mm-hmm. electoral office and you have no idea if you have 18 people coming coming from one point of view and Twelve coming from the opposite point of view, and two hundred coming from the east, and four hundred coming from the west. Right. It is a difficult thing to try and balance and bring people to to intellectually collaborate about what they want. That's right. Um. So uh I I um I've just I, I just think that we have to understand that politics is an art. Right. It is not something that you do. It is getting what you can from people who you can get it from, mm-hmm. and the form in which it comes. That's right. So I think when we're talking about what Biden is doing over these uh, 45 days that he has before he is actually the president of the United States, I mean, I've been critical for very specific reasons about uh, two of <clears throat> The, the the steps that they have, I think it's missteps that they have made because, you know, a politician, a, a person, a team can't think of everything that a thousand people will think of right. while they're while they're doing it. Um, 
And I, I don't think that, you know, I, I look at a Cori Bush, right. and she is going into the house. She has not stepped away from her position, but right. it is clear to me she is looking to what I call the golden when and how I enter opportunity. Right. And and that's what smart people do. That's what organizational politics is all about. And what they're what they're doing in our Congress, what they're doing in our government is organizational politics. But I also want to go back to another point that you made about the young people who are going to get these new opportunities um, that we need to ensure that the machine, and, you know, I was in the government for near 25 years in the federal mm-hmm. government and federal service mm-hmm. as a um, um, service executive, and <clears throat> one of the, the walls that all of these people are going to hit is the federal workforce. That's right. At the highest levels. People who don't want them there, people who know the system uh, better, people who are going to put up walls, people who are going to direct them falsely, people who are going to resist and resist and resist. That's right. Because they simply reflect the American population. And let's be clear, that's Democrats as well as Republicans. Absolutely. That will resist. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think we need to use the party. I think, I think we need to strategically use the party, but don't be in love with it. It's a it's a thing to be used as a utility to get what we can, like you say, from that front. But there are other fronts: culture, economics, labor, health, environment, family, youth, um, education. Those are all fronts that require black organization and black strategy, too. Politics is important because that's where the game is played. That's the casino. That's where the rules of the game are for the whole system. That's why politics matter. That's why CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and everyone else has a 24-hour news cycle covering politics because politics is about the game, you know, the legal game. We know there's all kind of undercurrents and illegal, uh, you know, games going on all over the country and all over the world, but the legal game is politics. And when we engage in the party, um, it's only because we, you know, we have to have an attitude that it's it's a utility. It's a thing for us to use to get what we want. But don't fall in love with the Democratic Party. You know, use it, even if you belong to it. Uh, but you know, we used to belong to the Republicans twice as long. We still need another 50 years from now to be. Democrats for as long as we used to be Republicans. We were Republicans for 100 years. We've been Democrats right now for 55, 56 years. So we, we, we're not in love with the Democratic Party. We're still relatively new Democrats, and people don't realize that. I mean, your, your parents would wait. If they woke up, they would look up and see this country and be like, wait, you know, Martin Luther King, and then like, wait a minute, black folk are Democrats now? Because in 64 is when the transformation begins. That's recent. We were Democrat Republicans from 1856 till about 1964, right? So that's 108 years. Mm-hmm. We still got 54 more years to go. So I think we have to understand black people have to have no attachment to the party. Uh, we have to be strategic, just like we strategically broke from the Republicans in 64 because they kept ignoring us 
really, after Lincoln, they didn't do anything for the next 100 years. So black folk created a party within the party, and then they broke from it. Now, people want to call that slavery, but that was actually black people in history breaking from a party and joining a different party, and they kicked the races out of the party that used to hang them, that used to lynch them, that used to, you know, be the police and the sheriffs and the segregationists. That was the Southern Democrats. Black folk took over that party, and now those people have no place in it. Now they're in the Republican Party, and yet we see that as somehow weakness and dependency. So I think we need to appreciate that black people, in my view, as a student of politics, there is simply no other group that even comes close to black people's sophistication in politics. And, and you've seen it. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do 13% of the public, how does 13% with half its men, you know, with, 1% of, with, with one-third of its men in prison, right, how, 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 how does a group with only 13% of the population produce a black president Right, in one generation away from their mass movement, and then have recovered that president after, and they defeated the racial, the racist president who came after him, and re- and, and installed the, the the former black president's vice president, and brought along the first black woman president. No minority group yeah. on the planet, politically yeah. speaking. Let me let me remind close. people if you're calling, if you're calling to talk with us. Um, you have to hit the number one so that I will know that you're not just listening, you would like to engage with us. Um, So, um, Dr. Taylor, we have one caller, and I'm um, going to, uh, before we start talking about the COVID-19 vaccine and black history, uh, and why this government is going to have to do a lot more in in terms of education and convincing us that it is not part of that history. I want to go to some callers. 757, you're on the air on Our Common Ground. 757? Good evening. It was a pleasure to be talking with you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. You, but you can talk oh. up a little more. Okay, I'll try to. Uh, is this better? Yes. Yes. Okay, uh, Doctor Doctor Smalls, I love you, and Miss Graham knows who I am in the virtual world. But I'm gonna try to get through this quickly because I've heard you talk several times, and the facts you gave, I've actually heard about three times. And I'm 67 years old. But let me say this to you. You were talking about what we should do with political parties. The, the interesting thing about Jim Clyburn, who's raised to be to be the most powerful man in the House of Representatives, when when the Democrats have control, and having been in a protected district to get in, I'm 57 years old to give you some context. Denmark, South Carolina went for 10 years with tainted water done at, in Baraka. Sellers area also that was purposely done with a pool contaminant or treatment used to treat water and people complained for 10 years Clyburn did nothing but let me say this to you in his capital city the pharmaceutical company has a whole complex named after him now this is what I'm going to say to you Clyburn if you just look at embrace all of what I just said when Bernie Sanders the DNC's plan and was going into South Carolina and Jim Clyburn 
could have made any kind of request he wanted to if he was standing for the collective. Instead, he delivered the first black primary, changed everything, and this is where we are today. Please stop telling us about how smart he is, sir. We, I'd like to get your email, and we can exchange some private information. Sure, sure, but I'm going to so. respond. I'm a, but, let me so, respond but let me respond. I will let uh, you. I'll mute myself. Right, because, in, in, you know, again, I'm, not, I'm, I'm only looking from California into, into this, you know, uh, to, to South Carolina. My mother is born and raised in South Carolina. My ancestors are all South Carolinians. My mother's ashes are there. So uh, from Honey Path, Greenville, South Carolina, Anderson County. The, the Anderson County. Um, but, but I want to, you know, I do want to say what I'm talking about is more about political power and about politics in, in terms of power, in terms of the halls Did of I power. Did I just tell you the number three man had the most leverage he could because in a national primary, right. well, you know what? But the that, that, Democrats but see, that's beside the point because that, that, on, that, that is within, be, that, that's be within be the context, that's within the context of South Carolina. That's not a national issue you're bringing up. No, you're talking was, about something. Was, no, 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 no. That was the national primary. That's my point. No, Bernie you're talking won, about the war. Bernie you won in about Ohio, won oh, the Lord. second primary. The thing that changed everything for a candidate that had not even paid a dollar to campaign, what changed it when he had the most leverage, let me say this again, when he had the most leverage and he's the number three man in the Democratic-controlled house, and he didn't bargain for anything, but he delivered our people in the first black primary, and you tell me he's smart no, he's paid on the you, You're all over the place. You're all over the place. You don't know whether you want to talk about South Carolina politics or national politics, and you're going back and forth. Sir, I can't keep up with you. National politics. I can't keep up that with you. That was the National Democratic primary. But, but, you, you're, so but, but, but sir, if you will stop yelling, 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 and let me go back, if you will stop yelling, and let me get to the point that I was trying to make that you made when you You're talked about Clyburn. Oh, I, I can't talk to this person. I'm done with you because okay. you keep saying it's not a national primary. And no, because you won't listen. You won't let me make my point, sir. And I'll okay. let you make your point. Let's, I let, I, I let you make your point. And you didn't let me respond let, to your first point. You made a comment about Clyburn not delivering something in South Carolina in terms of water or something there within the state of California, um, within the state of South Carolina. Then you jump to national politics. And I'm saying to you, whatever happened within South Carolina politics is South Carolina politics. I'm looking at Clyburn as a third man in power, and what you're talking about has nothing to do with him being a third man in in power, that's South Carolina politics. As a third man in power, he, that, that's the point of what is going on now. You're doing, you. you're doing the niggling that, that Ms. Graham you. is talking about. You're Dr. one of the Trump. whiners who come Dr. after Dr. the Trump. fact in ignorance Dr. and talk Trump. about these issues as opposed to Dr. talking Trump. about okay. them from an informed standpoint. Let me let me I, make a point here. Let me sir. make a let I, me make I, a point I humbly, here. I humbly I humbly apologize to you, sir, because. I understand what you said, and what I tried to say to you is I gave some background on where he actually represents. Then I said to you he's the the representative, the most powerful black man in the Democratic Party, which takes that to the national. They were in a national primary for Democrats. 
So don't try to say that I switched the But issue. you act what like I you've got nothing. That's my point. This is, this is where the niggling comes in. This is where the niggling comes in. You're acting like he's done nothing. I was trying to say I listen to you. I let you get your statement. Can I get one in? I'm going to finish, sir, and I say, my point was to you, he was no better on the state level than he was once he got to the House of Representatives in the the national. So what I'm saying to you is, it was my fault for not making that plain. I'm sorry. But but my, my so point is, me, we're talking me, about two different me, levels of power. And, and I, I listen to you. And what I'm talking about is now Clyburn on the national scene. See, within the state... Um, what Ms. Graham was talking about earlier is in terms of the cynicism, the, 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 you know, the way people reject a lot of what's going on. Since the 1970s, political trust as a thing has, uh, has declined everywhere in the world, and especially in America. So Americans don't believe in the president. They don't believe in Congress as a big idea. They don't believe in government in general, but they like their local congressperson. Hear me out. So, so people will, you know, if you look at Congress, how Congress polls nationally, Congress might poll 11, 12, 13 percent. But if you ask how Nancy Pelosi polls in California, she's up at 80 percent. Barbara Lee, 80 percent. Maxine Waters, 80 percent. Clyde Byrne, 80, Clyde Byrne in South Carolina, 80 percent. That's within internal state-level politics. And then all of those people I just mentioned, like Nancy Pelosi, that now she's got national power to execute the agenda. I think you're underestimating what, what Clyburn is doing. Kamala Harris is on that ticket because of Clyburn. Now, whether you, if, if, you, if that's nothing, then okay, say that's nothing, but at least acknowledge that there's a black woman on the ticket and Clyburn is the one who's negotiated that behind the scenes. He can't be out doing CNN interviews saying Biden's got to have a black attorney general, Biden's got to have a black Supreme Court justice, Biden's got to have a black woman do this and do that. He's speaking through the media and where he can in his platform, and I think as, as, as students of politics, you and I have never seen a black man or woman uh, with this kind of political capital and power before. And that's what I think, again, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to separate what you know about him locally. I'm asking you to do that and to think about just the power that he has abstractly as, a, as, the, majority whip, as, the, minor, as the majority whip, the number three in power, and what that means. And, yes, it must turn into outcomes. It must turn Brother into Smiles. outcomes. Brother Small. Taylor, 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 Taylor. Okay, Brother Taylor. Did did, did I not say to you that he had more leverage than ever as the number three man, and he delivered his people, and now he's whining about what he did not get? I'm not lost here, sir. I I wouldn't say it's whining. I I would say it's negotiating. Why do you say it's whining and not negotiating? Did we lose him? Because because he had the leverage before he delivered the people. That's my entire point. Good night. But see, somebody sir. made. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Somebody made that point earlier, and I look at Ice Cube as an example of what you're talking about. Ice Cube negotiated before he before the results came in, and now Ice Cube is out the question. See, he did his before, like you're saying, and Ice Cube can't Ice talk Cube to nobody now. Because Ice, let me finish. Let, Ice let me finish. Cube is Ice Cube. Not Ice Cube. Let me just finish this point. You are, you Ice Cube. Are
you, you, be Miss Graham's, you be Miss Graham's co-host then, because you like to talk and not co- listen. How do you compare IT to an elected black official that served since 1993? So now, now do you want me to answer the question? The do you want me to answer topic. the question? Or do you, do you just want to hear yourself ask it? Do you want me to answer it, or do you just want to hear yourself ask it? Because I'll answer it if you let me. First of all, it wasn't Ice-T. It was Ice Cube. Second of all, the, the point on the, on the table is peremptory political endorsement or engagement before the result. You said Clyburn should not do that beforehand. He sold and delivered his people before the result. And I said, well, let's look at somebody else who did that on the national scene in the, in the 2020 election, trying to negotiate black politics, trying to negotiate a black agenda, and Ice Cube got a whole lot of news cycle, and Ice Cube spoke into it. You can talk about what can somebody's raise, background is and whether somebody's a rapper I, or somebody's a politician. My point question. is, as black people, they both spoke I'm into trying, it. And, 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 and you made a point, and I'm giving I'm you a point to you, that Ice Cube, Ice Cube did what you we said, and Ice Cube is off the equation. Clyburn did what you... Clyburn continued on, and Clyburn now in the position of I'm, power. I'm, I'm trying I'm try not to be lost here. Janice knows my Twitter handle, sir. I'd like to uh, exchange with you in private so we can actually talk this out because I find it fascinating. What I'm yeah, going to say to you is... Yeah, and we've spent too much time on What I'm saying to you is Ice Cube has no constituency. He was not the number three man in the damn Democratic Party in the House of Representatives. I'm done with this. Good night. You, you, and you think that okay. makes a point. That, that, that makes that, that doesn't mean anything, right? Ice Cube has a, millions of people that support him. What are you talking about? Okay. Ice Cube is he's, one of the most famous people up. on the planet, and that's why when he spoke into it, he got everybody's attention. So what are you talking about? You're acting like Ice Cube he, is nobody because he's a rapper. Ice Cube he, has he an agenda. Okay, well, he can still he, hear it. He Ice Cube has an, had an agenda. That um, that he put forward. Now, if you want to discriminate because he's not a a sworn politician and a Democrat and some you know square uh, trying to engage in politics, then go ahead and you know hate on him because but, of what where he comes from. But if you want to talk about the fact that Ice Cube, like Clyburn, was uh, in, in terms of his analogy that black people's politics should not should not be, he said that again. Clyburn delivered the black vote peremptorily. And I'm saying Clyburn didn't do that. Clyburn understood what he was doing. He was dealing with the situation he had. He saw Biden was dead in the water. He knew that black people could resuscitate him. The big question is this brother right here talking about Clyburn is ignoring the fact that we had two black people impeach uh, Donald Trump. Clyburn had nothing to do with that, that Val Demings and Hakeem Jefferson impeached Donald Trump. I mean, in other words, I doubt that person that just spoke, and he sounded like an older gentleman, had any background in state government, like you were talking about earlier, or has ever walked through the halls of power and seen it. I used to hate, uh, I used to not like um, Arsenio Hall. And then one day I, in L.A., one day I went to the Arsenio Hall show. And I always just like Arsenio Hall, too. I went to his show. When I walked in there and saw Arsenio Hall's show and saw his power, I was like, oh, my God, this brother is something different. And that's what I'm saying about Clyburn. If this man who's running his mouth talking about Clyburn, you know, all over the place, was around Clyburn, if he was in the hallways with Clyburn, if he, if he was given access to the halls of where Clyburn has access to, I guarantee you his 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 niggling comments i mean he was the classic he might be a regular caller and i don't want to disrespect him but at the same time that was a perfect example of the niggling whining you were talking about where people speak out of ignorance enthusiastically 
um, and loudly, but, but even though they don't have the basic um, information. I'm going to make this point before we go to break, and right after I make this point, we are going to break. Um, our number is 347-838-9852. But here is, here's a point about the role that Clyburn plays and the and 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 to some extent, uh, one of the things is he has to pay pay the price for where he stands. What Clyburn has did um, behind the scenes to ensure that the Biden administration could claim black support for his candidacy was Kamala Harris. But what he's doing now is he's calling a poll. That's what they call it in in electoral campaigns. Call a poll. You're in the background, you're un, in in the background negotiating and you can't get to where you need to be, then you call it publicly. You're listening to Our Common Ground, my co-host tonight is Dr. James L. Taylor, and when we come back, we'll take more of your calls on Trump exit crimes, on the COVID vaccine and our history, on the Georgia uh, Senate race, and on Biden's plans 45 days up. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. It's amazing how people can come together by spending time apart. Quest Diagnostics thanks you for doing your part to stop the spread of the coronavirus through social distancing and proper hygiene. At Quest, we're doing our part by establishing COVID-19 lab testing capabilities across the country to better serve our communities and healthcare providers. If you suspect you have COVID-19, talk to a healthcare provider and let's keep doing our part so we can all come back together stronger than ever. Seventy years old. Today, if Dorothy were to encounter men with no brains, no heart, and no balls, she wouldn't be in awe. She'd be in Congress. <laughs> Society is only as strong as all its individuals. The United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists, but we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, 
and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Because we don't take this stuff seriously. These folks got a plan, and they've been working their plan for a very long time. And I can say that because when I say 50 years, on the same damn thing. So they're moving ahead with a plan, y'all, but I, we seem to be in some kind of virtual loop here. Let's see what you can do. to Janice. And thank you for being with us here. Are some notes uh, and I'd like to bring to your attention, don't forget the Alpha Show. Broadcast live call in on Friday nights at 10 p.m. on TruthWorks Network. Also, we want to uh, bring to, to your attention uh, a new podcast, Real Talk with Zakia Jabbar. Uh, who has been a frequent guest here at Our Common Ground. She is now broadcasting on YouTube on Thursdays at 6 p.m., and you might want to check it out. I have been featuring the words of my brother, Comrade Long Memorial, uh, 51 years on December 3rd, Fred Hampton was executed in his bed in Chicago, Illinois, by the Chicago police and the FBI. And it has been 51 years. And one of the things I want to do is for you to remember him. If you'll go on the Our Common Ground website, at OurCommonGround.com, you will find a page um, in the categories called Fred Hampton. And if you do not know who he is, we suggest highly that you learn who he is. He was the chair of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, Uh, 21 years old and assassinated under the cover of law. Thanks uh, for being here with us. Uh, Dr. James Taylor is our co-host tonight. 
Dr. Taylor, I wanted to ask you uh, about some thoughts uh, about COVID, but first I want to go to uh, take one more call before we go into a discussion on COVID. 646, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. How are you doing this evening, Janice, and to you guests? Um, you know, it's quite interesting when Dr. Taylor's on, and he makes his, his narrative in regards to black political power. And I think what the caller was trying to say was in regards to problems and ice capital bills, was a politician in the one is an entertainer, regardless of how many people are in ice cube camp. Politics Jay, is not what he does. Jay, I do not want to make this 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 episode of Our Common Ground about ice cube, ice okay, tea. Okay, so I'll, make, I'll just make this point then. The point is this. Dr. 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 Taylor is right here. He's right here sitting right next okay. to me. Okay. Okay, well, Dr. Keller, um, Claiborne's been in office for uh, a long period of time. And him, like Maxie and others, have supposedly achieved some sort of breaking in American We're having a hard time. We're having a hard time hearing you, Jay. Are you laying on your phone? No, but I'm basically saying is that for what? Claiborne and Maxine Water has achieved. That has gained that all for me. Their communities are suffering. Their communities not what they should be with individuals who have the amount of power that they do. And with crises this country is failing, they should be basically seen as a complete failure to the liberation black folks. See, and, and I would just say that we got to acknowledge that black people have only had the vote since 1965. Just, just hear that point. Just think about that point first. And think about what has happened since 1965 in black politics. A lot. And some of it's been successful. Some of it's not been successful. A lot of hit and misses. Politics, to me, is just one front, brother. So to me, if we talk about Clyburn, that's, we're only having a political conversation. But we should also be having a conversation about economics, about black culture, like Juneteenth, the way it overwhelmed this country this past June, about young people, about family, about health, education, poverty, homelessness, and, and on a positive level, on black development, right? So to me, to me, to me, to me you know, when you start talking about the CBC, um, you know that's just that's the congressional. You know, I, I saw telling Miss Graham earlier that that's just where the that's where the game that's the casino. That's where the game is played. So then we can talk about whether or not we're playing the game right. But my point is, Clyburn is in a unique position. And just hear me out real quick. Clyburn, we've never had anybody in our history with the kind of power he has, and we have not been able to see it executed yet. I, I think it's premature to say he has not delivered in terms of his position now 
because now he has it, and with Biden coming into power, if they don't produce it, my thinking is this. If the Democrats don't produce tangible outcomes after this right here, everything we just witnessed in 19 and, and you know, 2019 and 2020, then I'm all with you. I'm all for, you know, everything in terms of condemning them, in terms of, you know, highlighting their shortcomings, et cetera. But, but right now it seems to me that, you know, they're, that, that, that's the game. The, the game is politics. We we got to be in it. We got somebody well placed. We've seen him handle things. Again, I'm not trying to be a fan for Clyburn. I'm trying to talk just as in terms of the the wielding of black political power. So we can take the names out. I'm talking about the wielding of actual power, not our protest politics, not our movement politics, not our you know. I'm talking about state power. We haven't seen that before. We've never had Maxine Waters. Of Maxine Waters, Maxine Waters, Barbara Lee—they've ne- they've never had this kind of power. You've had Adam Clayton Powell. You've had Kelly Wingo, who I think had just right, right, and and, and, and Wingo used his power well. I, and I agree, no, Wingo used his no, power. No, he did not. No, he did not. No, he did. I'm not in this community, sir. I'm not in this community, and I'm one of the rich ones in this community. And I'm telling you that his community is suffering. I grew up in Harlem. I've been all of my life. I want an individual who's been able to create some sort of wealth because of Harlem. And I'm right. telling you right now that right. And, and once again, once just like the last caller. He did nothing to help. He did right. nothing to help. Right. So, and, 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 and I want, you to, I want you to notice something. Just like the previous caller, you're focusing on the shortcomings or the failure to deliver Within no, the district. No, no, Mr. Taylor. With, with, hear me out, hear me out. You Can within I the district. Say this within the district. Let me just say this one point. Let me say this one point. My concern is about my community. My concern is about these babies who are not eating. My concern is about these mothers that are out in the street that nobody is talking about. You understand? Those are things that I'm concerned about. That clinics that I'm feeding. You understand what I'm saying to you? That I'm not putting out in the street, that I'm fighting business partners so that they could have a place in the winter Where? to keep their Where, things in, 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 in what's called them. And you're talking about what they're doing. They're not passing the bill to make it so that oh, people don't drive in their homes. I, I can't hear you, brother. I you're breaking up. There. I'm just going to leave it there. You're breaking up. We're, we're having... We're having we couldn't hear you uh, well. hard time to try to call but, 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 and, and I don't Dr. disagree Taylor, with what I, I don't disagree with what I did here, but but I think he's ignoring the fact that I had just stated very clearly that politics is just one front, that we have economic front, culture front, youth front, family front, health front, education, poverty, homelessness. I just said all of that, and he acted like I didn't. I just said that, and those but are the things one of the things that those you are the things we need to be earlier. pushing on. One of the things that you said earlier that is very important, you have to understand how government works. Right, right. When Maxine Waters or Clyburn or whoever it is jockeys to get a bill, a a fiduciary bill passed, promulgating federal funds to a bill, once that money is promulgated, by the Congress, it goes into some kind of program of distribution. And that money goes out to the state and to the cities. Right. 
in the and, and, bill, it does not talk about how much money goes into their district. It talks about how much money, how many programs or what programs get funded by that money after it leaves Congress. Right. And so, see, people like Marty this, Walsh. Again, but, but people like this ignore, eight, for example. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Marty Walsh, who is the mayor of Boston, gets CDBG funds. Last year, he got $180 million just from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. He has a staff, a program staff, who decides how that money is going to be spent. Right. And he signs off on it. The federal government does not sign off on it. They monitor and provide oversight for what Marty Walsh said he was going to use that money for. So the real deal is at the legal and the, is at the local and the state level about how problems get solved. Right. That's right, and so and so I think you know what people in both callers, you know, it's sort of like, you know, I'd love to hear what what has your experience been in the halls of power? Have you have you been in Washington D.C.? Have you encountered um, the way bean counting works and the numbers, as you were saying earlier, at work at lining up the votes? You know, knowing how that game is played. There's a whole game in Washington D.C. around you know power. Um, Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, the power around her uh, and, and the Congressional Black Caucus. Like I said earlier, in the beginning of this conversation, I talked about how we see black preachers. And if you're not attached to the black church, you probably are, you know, people typically, you know, comedians and in our pop culture, we mock them, right? Um, you know, but they, they're, they're do, they do a lot of good in our community that people don't give them credit for, right? Or we're just sort of you know, brainwashed or conditioned as black people to only see the negative in our in our efforts. And that's what you've heard so far, is only the negative. They're emphasizing the negative of Clyburn, you know, the negative of Charles Rangel, the negative of <coughs> Adam Clayton Powell, the negative of, you know, if I mention Willie Brown here in California, right, as if it, you know, as if it meant nothing that Willie Brown dominated this state's politics for a decade and a half, and, um, and that meant something, not just in terms of what we get, but what we don't get. People like Clyburn protect us from stuff. You know, people Let in me, the black church, black yeah. folk are quick to say the Let Lord protects us from, 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 from dangers seen and unseen. Well, the Congressional Black Caucus keeps a lot of bad legislation aimed at us from ever making air. And people like these two that have called in have no knowledge of that reality. And so they're quick to talk about Clyburn ain't doing nothing, look in the district. No, they sound like conservatives. They sound like Republicans, both of them, as opposed to, you know, brothers who, based on an, an understanding of the totality of the task before us, that Clyburn is just one small piece, but a, an important piece in this big puzzle. You know, um, uh, I'm going to respond to something that's being said in the chat room because the caller is is in the chat room, and we're not being disrespectful uh, to your knowledge of how national government. I didn't say that, make that statement to be disrespectful. 
My point is that once funds come out of Wash uh, out of the federal government and goes into the cities and the state, it is the function of the state and the cities. I mean, some funds from the federal government go to the state, and the state then distributes out to the cities and towns. That's right. That's right. We're not assuming you don't know that, but I think that it's important in this conversation for you to understand where, if, if, for instance, if there are not enough, if there are food deserts in your community or a community for which you have interest, it is at the, at the city level how federal funds are being spent to address that. And I will acknowledge, and and I think it's a, a real concern, that at the local level, people are making compromise on issues of concern to black community to black communities, and that is because the peop, even the activists. And it's been my experience that activists do not understand that when federal funds come in, there are hearings, but nobody shows up. So I just I just want to respond to that. No disrespect, but you know, dubiety and truth. Uh, no, I mean has I think have, about it now. There are people, there, there may be people at the local level who may disagree with this because black folk, you know, being pushed out of the marijuana market that we dominated since the 70s, now that it's legal. But now that it's being legal, Congress just yesterday or, or within the last three or four days uh, passed in the House um, a, 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 a new law decriminalizing marijuana, um, uh, uh, releasing people and expunging people's records nationally, taking away felonies and things of that sort. And that's going to directly come into our community and affect our community and give people a second chance. Now, if you, again, on the outside looking in, you think that just popped up and that black, the black politicians in Congress had nothing to do with that, when Barbara Lee is the, uh, the, the co-chair um, of the Cannabis Caucus in Congress. Barbara Lee is why that, that bill passed this week, and she's from yes, o- exactly. Oakland, here where I am in Oakland and, and Berkeley, and you know, that reflects our constituency, but it also reflects um, the reality of the way in which marijuana has always been used, even in this era of criminal decriminalization, to continue to hold people and continue to hold people back um, through, through their records, you know, police records and criminal records. So this is a giant leap forward. And, again, the Congressional Black Caucus is behind this, and yet, you know, people on the sidewalk would be like, well, they ain't doing nothing. They ain't doing nothing. I ain't, they ain't doing nothing for the neighborhood. They ain't doing nothing for the community. Well, like you said, politics is, you know, George, well, politics is, you know, in part, like you said, an art. You know, we call it political science. But one of the things Richard Nixon, I agree with, said one time, he said the, un- the, the problem with politics is it gets taught at the university as a science. He said, but the truth of it is it's an art. And that's what I'm talking about when I mention Clyburn. That's what you know. That's the art of his position to be able to wield power, and he's using it to say, "Hey, Joe, it ain't black enough. You, we, it ain't black enough." Now, it, now he's saying that in the news, in the media, to get everyone's attention. And he's, saying, to let and them he's know, doing it that way for a reason. 
That's right. And, you, and we're watching it instead of seeing that as a power move and, and negotiation. Like I asked the first caller, why do you not see that as negotiation? Why is your default to see that as something like, oh, y'all didn't get what y'all, re- y'all delivered. Y'all gave them the vote. Now y'all begging him. Why is this begging? The man's not even in office yet. He ain't been sworn in. And, 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 and that's what I mean. It's like Clyburn hasn't even had a chance. That's what I mean. Clyburn has to wait for Biden to get in office for him to really show us what he can do with the endorsement power he has now. He has power like we've never seen a black man have before because we saw his golden touch in South Carolina transform this dead campaign into the campaign of a lifetime, one unprecedented outturn. So black people had a wisdom. Black people had a wisdom. Clyburn tapped into it. That's what I think these, both these brothers that called in aren't recognizing. Black people were number one and number two against Trump the night Hillary Clinton got a record uh, popular vote victory over Trump. Black people were on the front in the impeachment with two black people impeached, two members of the CDC impeaching Trump. Black people were number one and number two. Everyone keeps talking about black women, but black men have outperformed every other American vote group both times in 2016 and 2020 in supporting the Democratic candidates. So in 2016, it was black women, one black men, two, and everybody else in America, three, four, up to whatever group number there is. Same thing in 2020. Black men, black women were number one in sticking with Biden. Black men were number two. There's a, I, 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 I got a Ph.D. in political science from a very good tier one research institution. And yet, because of my mother, I, I know better than trying to think I'm smarter than black people. So I, so when I see black people doing something, Ms. Graham, I shut up and watch and learn and try to understand it. I don't sit around saying we should be doing or we slaves were doing or this is the plantation. I say, well, black folk could take – what I see is black folk are taking over the Democratic Party. We've never seen this before. Let's give it time. Let's watch. Let's see what these sisters who've mobilized in black politics in, around the country can do with this. Let's see what sisters can, in, in Georgia can do. With, they, they delivered Georgia. They turned Georgia blue. Now, we've never seen this, you know, at least in terms of black politics before. Right? Clinton won it, but we haven't seen it in terms of our politics. So let's see, brothers. Be patient. I know it's been a long time, and we've seen a lot of had a lot of disappointment. But and, and of course, they can't possibly deliver us to freedom and to where we want to be because this system is not designed for us to be delivered through it. So even if we got four hundred, you know, five hundred and thirty-five black people in Congress, which is impossible, we still wouldn't be delivered through this system. So this ain't about freedom. This is about getting what you can. From the system, political science defines politics this way, Ms. Graham. Who gets what, when, and how? That, that's the definition and, of politics. And from whom? That's, yes, ma'am. And, that, and, and, that, yeah, and that, that's the definition that has been the main definition of political science since the 1950s is who gets what, when, and how. And I like your addition, from whom. And, and so if we're going to do politics, we got to learn from King after the protests, get the rights bills and the housing bill and the voting bill passed when you sit down and negotiate. And negotiating means we, means we can't win all of what we want. We may not be able to get reparations. So you don't quit because you don't get reparations. What if he comes up with a massive jobs program that transforms the lives of black men in Baltimore and in Newark and in Detroit and in Boston, right? What if we find, you know, what if Biden uh, through the Lift Every Voice program program actually transforms urban black America for a change, right? Again, we, we saw what 
what happened the last time we gave a white man like this support? It was LBJ, and and he responded. And those folk calling in, we ain't doing nothing. We ain't getting nothing. Won't even acknowledge that black people, through the LBJ uh, um, pre- uh, presidency, when they gave him in 1964, the same year they became solid Democrats, 92 to 94 percent of their vote, Johnson said, okay, I hear you. He went to Howard University, said, we shall overcome. And, he, and then he mobilized. Right. And then I'm asking us to acknowledge that, acknowledge that that happened, that the last time we got behind a white man like this, and I'm not talking about a Bill Clinton. I'm talking about a white man that owes us. Right. This man owes us. Clinton didn't owe us. LBJ owed us because he knows black people in 64 delivered him. Right. And so we should be able to expect just like we did with LBJ, massive, massive investment in black life. And if we and if, and, and, and if he doesn't, then we should condemn him and not support them. But I don't think you can, uh, before the man is sworn in in January, uh, prejudge what Clyburn's uh, poli- you know, political move, moves will get him. Clyburn, I'm saying I've learned to I've learned there's a wisdom in black people. I think there's a wisdom in our politics. This white man, Donald Trump, was trying to, you know, trying to play this racist game, you know, bring back, you know, some evil racism. And black people understood it and never lost focus. They stayed, even when, so, so on the vote front, we were number one and number two. In the impeachment, we were one and two of the four uh, House impeachment people. And then we were, the, our children chased the president down into the bunker. Our, our children took it to the streets. That's all of us on three different fronts as black people, right, mobilizing to get rid of an eminent threat in Donald Trump and, and, and the white people and other ignorant people around him that supported them. That, to me, is wisdom. And so if, if, if you see that as dependency, that's because you are one of those people I opened up this show with when I said we are, as a people, preconditioned to see the negative in our community. Again, every time I say preachers, a lot of people who hear this are like, oh, I don't know, Taylor, I don't know about that, uh, because, you know, them preachers ain't no. And that is because you have been brainwashed to only see their negative. We see Creflo Dollar. We, we see these prominent pimp preachers and ignore that the real preacher in the black community who's doing the work and burying are dead in COVID right now are the ones who are more like the guy, uh, um, Corey, um, I can't remember his name, uh, uh, um, who's married to uh, Angela Bassett when he played in The Preacher's Wife with, 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 with um, Whitney Houston. That is a broke, uh, water pipes problems, you know, living in the red, can't keep up, keep all kind of problems. That is the life of the real preacher. And the, the reason why I'm saying this is because they are a part of it. They are an institution. Black preacher, preachers are an institution in the black community. And, they always and, have and been. And I'm saying we've been, trained, we've been trained to look down only and see the negative. And I'm saying we do that with everything in our culture. So most of us have no knowledge of the CBC, how it works, what it's doing. But our predisposition is to say, see, Clyburn ain't doing nothing here and Wrangell ain't doing nothing there. And the meanwhile, they keeping the devil from, from cutting your head off. Let let me add also about timing. Uh, One of the things that occurred to me when uh, Clyburn made this move with this Biden transition team was that is usually something that Nancy Pelosi does. Mm -hmm. And I am beginning to believe that um, uh, Clyburn 
is going to, and I'm not a big fan of, of Clyburn, but mm-hmm. Clyburn is going to be able to wield a lot more influence over the Trump administration than will Nancy Pelosi. The right. other is if you hear the whisperings going around about Nancy Pelosi not looking for this being her last term as um, as the House um, uh, leader, right? Then Clyburn may be positioning himself uh, to step into her shoes, and I was I was wondering about that. But let's move on to I, I do want to talk about the COVID nineteen vaccine in the context of um, of medical uh, crimes against black people and why uh, all of the polls that I'm seeing and all of the stuff that I'm seeing on um, on on the internet uh, black people being in a state of dubiety about the vaccine. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I don't want to try to, you know, talk about the science because I'm not, you know, informed about the science any more than anybody else. Um, You know, I can only talk about the politics, the government, you know, the government policies and and distribution and what Trump has done and what, you know, Biden is talking about doing in terms of, and you know, and he's talking about doing in terms of, you know, a national, uh, you know, shift in the way we are approaching it in terms of, you know, uh, you know, Putting in place and insisting from the from the Oval Office um, that the country spend the first 100 days in masks. So I think the attitude change will help a lot coming from Biden. Trump is not going to go away, but I think Trump will lose a lot of his audience and his base uh, once he's actually out of office. But I think in terms of this virus, it's out of control. Um, it's raging and it's definitely affecting our people. Um, I think the young basketball player, NBA player, um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who lost his mom, uh, uh, now has lost seven members in his family. You know, and that's just one famous person, right, um, who's lost. I know back in Long Island, where I'm from, about 25 people, you know, um, who've who've passed. One of my track uh, teammates uh, passed. um, And, you know, who I was close to when we were in high school uh, passed recently. So, you know, black people are still being disproportionately impacted um, by this 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 virus and it, and its impact and the history of of racism, of medical apartheid, of uh, of distrust is is why a lot of black people are polling very low in their willingness to take any vi- any vaccine. And, and this is a part of the history of racism. And you can't blame black people as being ignorant when they can point to all kinds of evidence that shows, most famously in Tuskegee experiment, but in others as well, military experiments, um, uh, you know, COINTELPRO, um, Ultra, all of these things. I'm not into conspiracies, but I, I think there's a, you know, where there's smoke, there's some fire. So there's a history of the government uh, using vaccines to, 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 to harm people, I mean, Donald Trump's government was just recently accused of sterilizing African women, uh, it, you know, as a way of discouraging them from, you know, appealing for amnesty or any other kind of immigration status. And in the midst of all of the horrors 
that we've been hearing about, like the caged children, the 535 children who can't find their mothers and mothers and fathers can't find their children, is this reality that when the dust clears, at some point, Ms. Graham, we're going to sit back and think about the fact that Donald Trump, that, that's going to be another one of these major things that our people will never, ever forget once we understand what really happened in that thing, where they were sterilizing women both in, uh, in, at the border, uh, you know, at the border and in, uh, you know, where African women were entering. Because, again, if you remember, Trump, uh, as a part of his ban, uh, banned Nigerians, Eritreans, Haitians, and, and a few other black countries, right? And so black people were also affected by, you know, Trump's um, border uh, policies. And, and, and this sterilization of black women has happened now. And I'm saying to you, we haven't even seen the dust settle on that. So you're asking us to line up. When women, a lot of women are aware of that now, like, you know, you know, you know in terms of, just being informed about the reality that the government, the Donald Trump administration is accused of sterilizing, forced sterilizing black women, why would anybody line up for the vaccine? So it's going to take a lot of education, a lot of um, trust, and, and there's not a lot of trust. So you're going to need, you know, someone like Obama, Michelle Obama, all of these high-profile black people, black athletes. Uh, Obama says he's going to do it. Clinton says he's going to do it. Bush says he's going to do it. They're going to take inoculations on air so people can see that they trust it. Um, Obama did this stupidly one time. People from, I think, uh, Flint or Detroit might remember when Obama stupidly drank the water, the water to say mm. there was no harm. So Obama doesn't even have a whole lot of you know, trust if he took a vaccine for, for folk you know, on the ground in, in Michigan. But, again, the point I want to make is that um, the vaccines are here. That's good news. Of course, nobody's saying they know what the long-term side effects are going to be of either COVID or the vaccines. And those who, like Pfizer, who's making them, uh, is saying, "Hey, we don't know the long-term side effects. We and, and we don't know if you can't. We don't know if you can't catch it again after we after we give you the vaccine. We just know it. it mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, it can stop you from spreading, and yeah. we don't know if you can't catch it again. So." They only have half of the solution with the vaccines, at least in in the ones I've heard about. Again, I'm speaking from a pedestrian, uh, you know, newspaper knowledge here. I'm not speaking from scientific academic knowledge. But black Mm -hmm. people have a lot of reason not to trust. Um, There's a, you know, a history of, you know, suspicion around HIV and AIDS that we've never recovered from because of the Tuskegee experiment. And because the government's never come clean on Tuskegee and never acknowledged it, and Agent Orange that affected black men in Vietnam, you know, and all the, you know, all the drugs that were infiltrated into the black community with heroin that we talked about last time and then later crack cocaine, right? Why would we trust this government, you know, medically on any front? So you're going to need a massive effort of political education. You see a big – I saw recently a fight going on on social media between Don Cheadle and the sister that played uh, this, uh, in, in, um, in Black Panther as the younger sister to, um, to Bozeman. Yeah, she's, um, an, she's an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so you're going to see high profile black folk who, you know, think this or that celebrities trying to use their platforms to speak into it. But you're going to need a concerted um, education. Uh, people are going to have to trust this. Dr. Fauci is being brought back on for the um, Obama, I mean, for the uh, Biden administration. So that might help with some credibility because he scores high across the board. But you're going to need 
people like, you know, just, you know, Le- LeBron James, um, Ke- you know, Kevin Durant, you know, Mary J. Blige. You're going to need black celebrities who black people trust line up and do this. And then, you know, nobody knows medically what the long-term effects of either the virus or the, the, the remedies uh, to the, the virus mm-hmm. spread. But um, what we as a people have to do is understand that this has to be put in the context of our whole history, our whole medical history, the history of medical apartheid and medical racism, um, and of scientific racism. Uh, and so, black people have a good reason to distrust. But as, that's why, when we heard about the presidents of the two HBCUs who lined up to take uh, these. Um, inoculations and vaccines and encourage students to do it too a lot of black folk were like i don't know about that what are they doing that's kind of crazy y'all crazy no them brothers you know the <laughs> in fact folk were like well these two these two presidents are sold out they must be you know they must yeah. be maga they must be maga because why are they taking these vaccines because black folk are so skeptical and and and, yeah. and that means that the government has a lot of work to do to, edu- to, to give education around these vaccines, their learned long-term effects, because black people are not going to line up for them unless people who they trust um, demonstrate for them their confidence in these viruses. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. in these uh, vaccines. Yeah. My, my concern in this regard is that uh, you're right. I don't think that, well, this government is out to lunch. They they've kind of like left the building. Yes. But uh the Biden administration uh transition team needs to really get into um education marketing and providing yes. information about the yes. vaccines. The other big concern that I have Dr. Taylor and I think uh people in the audience need to really uh give some thought to that we're going to be doing mass for the next two years, mm. that we're going to be doing social distancing for the next year and a half. Um, and to understand that over these next two weeks, it's going to be so important to concentrate on not getting infected and people are, seem not to be understanding that. Um, I looked at over the Thanksgiving holiday at the scenes from airports, and it was just startling, and yeah. it was frightening why people don't seem to be getting it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't got old and became a square because I can't understand. Like, I'm thinking everybody's doing what I'm doing. I've been home for basically eight months with my children every day. You know, my wife goes out and she works. Um, I've worked, you know, obviously I have to work from home, but she's in law enforcement, so she has to be out there. And I'm home, I've am i been home for, you know, at home with my kids for about eight or nine months. And I'm thinking everybody's doing it. Everybody's not going out. Everybody's not hanging out in the streets. Everybody's only going to the store to get what they need and coming home. I've been doing that the whole time, you know. So it stuns me that uh, people are out partying. We saw today the Trump rallies in Georgia, in Valdosta, um, with, uh, you know, um, white women out there arguing and spitting and yelling and screaming on social media, uh, you know, white men in grocery stores still acting a fool at, you know, at, at, at the, you know, at the, uh, you know, 
drugstore, et cetera, you know, fighting, calling us oppression. I saw a white woman who, uh, you know, was crying, saying that, you know, Gavin Newsom should be recalled. Uh, uh, Gavin Newsom recall, the governor of California, is now um, trending on Twitter. So some of these conservatives who are, and these pro-business capitalists in California are, are mad, you know, that, you know, they think, so, so these, these people think that this is a, a anti-capitalist conspiracy, like socialist agenda. COVID right, is right. socialism. COVID is socialism yeah. to put black people on, on top. Even though COVID is killing us more than anybody, the racism of this country, uh, uh, the subtext to it is COVID is a, a, a Trojan horse for the transformation of the white economy, the white over everybody economy. That's what's going on with these white folks that are saying, talking about freedom and this is like slavery. Um, even the idiot uh, Supreme Court justice uh, who, who said no that time Obama was speaking, uh, whichever his name is, the Italian one. Um, Joe Will. Uh, no, uh, no, it was the other. No, no, that was the congressman. I'm talking about the the, oh, the Supreme oh, okay. Court. Uh, Alito, Alito, yeah. Alito, Alito. Uh, spoke mm -hmm. into Alito recently gave a speech, you know, to a, con a conservative group, you know, saying this is the worst oppression since slavery. These white folk have lost their minds. Yeah. The, the insult yeah. of comparing the need to fight back a pandemic to comparing it to what our ancestors went through, while the pandemic is killing us more than them. The, the, the blindness of their racism is so stunning to me. It is it, so deep to me that um, that they can't see themselves in the mirror. But uh, COVID is 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 exposing who they really are. A lot of these people, in terms of their willingness to die, uh, to to be mm -hmm. you know uh, you know to, to 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 be what they call free. So they they want to go to rallies and go to public events and go to public places. And all over the world, people are shutting down uh, in Europe, uh, in Asia, in China, you know, all, all over, in, in Canada, through, you know, back here in the States, because this thing is not under control. I hope it doesn't take till 2021, but it might. It, it just might take till 21, 22, uh, 23, you know, mm -hmm. early 23. And, and we, yeah, we got to yeah. prepare for that because that's going to be, you know, mentally – that's a lot on everybody because we've never been through anything like this before. And, and I think we all have, have to acknowledge nothing that we've known is ever going to be the same, and yet the cognitive dissonance we have is that we only have what we know as our reference, so we want to get it back to that as soon as possible. The truth is COVID is not going to ever let us be back to that. It, it, this thing is not finished doing its work. And when we look at the body bags and the body count, when, again, like I said earlier, when the dust clears on this five, let's say this 10-year, really about this 12-year period from, when, from Obama to Trump, uh, when we look at this whole period, and then I guess we have to you know, add a, a Biden to this, um, it, it's going to be a really fascinating moment to understand how race has worked, how race reaction has worked, how, you know, how anything from voting to the census to immigration to health always implicates race in American politics and government. And, and I think that's why, you know, going forward in the 21st century, Black people are well-positioned and primed, as they just demonstrated in the 2020 election. That's what I was trying to say to the second caller is 
you know, we're judging black folk like we've been voting for 200 years, and you know that you know we're, we're like white folk. We've always had the power. We don't even acknowledge that we just got the power to vote in 1965, and that's one generation, and we've done a lot already with that. But like I said, because we're brainwashed and conditioned as black people to only see the negative in our achievements, we keep seeing ourselves losing when we're, even where we do have wins. We yeah. don't acknowledge that since the 19. It took us to get the Voting Rights Act in 65. And once we got that, we massively mobilized and created, um, you know, a number of, uh, uh, of results. And we're still at the chi- we're still at the fetal stages. We're still at the embryonic stages of of electoral black politics. That's what I think some of these self righteous people, Miss Graham, need to recognize. We got a black president within 40 years of both JFK, I mean RFK and King, and and Baldwin all debating. Whether that was possible, Baldwin says, hell no, RFK said, sure, in 40 years, and Baldwin said, look at that white boy talking about it. Then King said it could happen. Well, it happened in 2008, exactly 40 years from when they said it. They were looking at the potential of black people in politics. They understood in the 60s, man, now that black folk got the power, they can change things. Now, again, to me, if you're running around, if you're living in the, in the hood, like in Oakland here, in the flatlands, I understand this system is not delivering to you. I understand it, and we got to fight to make it that way. I'm suggesting that what we're experiencing right now is something new, and it's in transition. And if it can work ever, now is the time to, uh, for us to involve and invest to make it work. In 1941, Asa Philip Randolph wanted uh, Franklin Roosevelt to come up with a federal law on jobs in, in relationship to military and the jobs program, an anti-discrimination law. And FDR said to uh, Asa Philip Randolph, okay, go out and make me do it. Create the crisis conditions. And that's what King did. King went out and created the chaos and forced them to make laws as a consequence. And, and so I think what we have to do is push Biden. That's why every time AOC says something critical about what the Democrats are doing in the center, black folks should be, yeah, I'm with you, AOC, I, you know, because the Democrats are not going to be honest. Um, in other words, if Biden gets a Democrat majority in the Senate, the biggest trouble he's going to have is AOC and, you know, the black Congress and the black left, um, uh, uh, not, not, the, not, not McConnell and the right, because the, the younger generation, the, the young people's attitudes about issues, those young white kids we saw rioting out next to our children and Latino children and gay children and, and Arabic children this past summer, all of that is what's the, the the ground that's what's going on on the ground and the party is eventually is going to catch on to that but it's percolating on the ground and so we have to be mature enough to say let's give it a little time let's see what AOC and the yeah. congressional yeah. black caucus can do because we people let's wait till Biden gets sworn in before we start making judgments about what we can do and can't do please can we at least wait till Biden gets in and then we can talk about after the first 100 days what he did then we can talk yeah. about we after the midterm in 2022, whether or not we should go out and support him. But let's at least wait we to don't, see what Clyburn can do with that power. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, we've only got a few minutes. And one of the things I want to stress to this audience is that electoral politics 
is only one part of it. Mm-hmm. There, there are other kinds of political machinations that have to go on. Uh, yeah, we got a, a president, uh, an administration, a Democratic administration that's coming in, but there can be ex- external and outlying politics going on that places pressure on the people who have the power. Linda Debris, I'm involved in I'm involved in We can't we can't go we can't go I've okay. got two minutes. At right. the end of this program tonight we're gonna to be playing a very short speech uh from Fred Hampton in uh, in 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 memorializing that this twenty one year old was assassinated, executed fifty one years ago this week. Dr. Taylor, stay with us. I hope that uh, you'll join us um, because I think we have to continue to have this conversation and I really appreciate uh, your voice. I really appreciate the callers. uh, But keep in mind that I'm talking to uh, thousands of people. I'm not just talking to one person and Everybody's not at the same level. Everybody's not at the same place, uh, and 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 so our information has to be multi-dimensional. Thank right. you all for for joining us tonight, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, we're we 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 we're not doing the uh, post talk this week. Red love, show love. Let's get rid of this curse. Don't wait for anyone to act. Man, you go first. Four hundred years wasted. Let's get rid of this curse, cause that's the only way we'll ever see peace on earth. All right. Thank you for joining us here at our common ground. In this holiday season, we give thanks for your support and your listenership, and we wish you and your family enough. Chairman of the state of Illinois, Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton. And uh, a lot of people don't understand the Black Panther Party's uh, relationship with white mother country radicals. A lot of people don't even understand that word that Elvis uses a lot. But what we're saying is that there are white people in the mother country 
that are for the same type of things that we are for stimulating revolution in the, in the mother country. And we said that we would work with anybody and form coalition with anybody that has revolution on their mind. We're not a racist organization because we understand that racism is an excuse used for capitalism. And we know that racism is just is, is a byproduct of capitalism. Everything would be all right if everything was put back in the hands of the people. And we're going to have to put it back in the hands of the people. Everybody in the state of Illinois is going to have to be involved or even around the revolution because we're going to have one. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to do more than talk. We're going to have to do more than listen. We're going to even have to do more than learn. We're going to have to start practicing, and that's very hard. We're going to have to start learning, and you learn through practice. We've got to start making mistakes, and you learn through making mistakes. We've got to start getting out there with the people. And a lot of times we think we're better than the people, but that's an insult, and that's criminal. Think you're better than the people. So we got to get together and learn where it's at. It's going to take a lot of hard work. That breakfast for children is something else. You ought to dig on it. All, every sister in this, in this, in this, in this, uh, in this audience. I'm, every sister in this audience ought to get themselves together and come on down and help us with that breakfast for children program. Y'all here come down and help feed them children in the morning. We have breakfast for children because we teach the people through practice, through observation and participation, that people can be fed free. That's the people's thing. Socialism is the people. You're afraid of yourself. If you're afraid of socialism, you're afraid of yourself. We know they have our pictures, we know they're looking for us, we know they want us, but we're still saying that even though we couldn't be in a sense, as far as this system goes, on the mountaintop, we in the Black Panther Party because of our dedication and understanding what's in the valley, knowing that the people in the valley, knowing that we originally came from the valley, knowing that our flag is the same flag as the people in the valley, knowing that our enemy is on the mountaintop, our friends are in the valley, we say even though it's nice to be on the mountaintop, we're going back. I be in offices every day. I be in the streets propagandizing every day. I be working with everybody every day. I be preaching that solidarity is the thing. The end of a complete wipeout of imperialism is the thing. So if you're going to be thinking about me, that's what Bobby would be teaching. If you're going to be thinking about us, all we say is we don't, ain't no thing about going nowhere, getting killed. All we want to know is that you're doing what we'd be doing if we were here. And you've got to do that. You can't do it unless you believe that you can do it. In the spirit of liberation, we understand that they want everybody in the party in jail. And we know that if we try to figure out and separate and decide who should go and who shouldn't go. We spend more time doing that than working for the people. So the quick solution, the speedy one, nobody goes. Nobody goes. We all stay right here. Power to all people. Oh, we say white power to white people. White power to white people. Brown power to brown people. Brown power to brown people. 
Yellow power to yellow people. Black power to black people. X power to those that we left out. We say Panther power to the Vanguard Party. When you when you leave here, leave here saying the last words. Now, before you go to bed, night say I am a revolutionary. Make that the last word. In case you don't wake up, then somebody might believe it, and you might, you know, end up in a, what they call it, revolutionary happy hunting ground. <laughs> say that. Say I am a revolutionary. Say it when you're going out. Okay, we're going to say it while we're going out. And we're going to start a thing called Free Fred. Don't that sound nice? Hey, let's do that. Free Fred. Free Fred. Free Fred. Free Fred.